Salutations, listeners. You're listening to another episode of the Dr. Jazz Podcast. And I'm your host, Nathan Holloway, your doctor for jazz. And as our mission here at the Dr. Jazz Podcast, to cure whatever it is that ails you through the power and the majesty of jazz music. If you notice the music behind us, you're probably listening to some really awesome bass playing. And that bass playing is courtesy of who I generally call in the podcasts Mr. PC. Of course, Mr. PC was originally Paul Chambers. <laughs> But after John Coltrane named that song after him, well, everybody just calls him Mr. PC. Now, we are doing a special spotlight on this episode of the Dr. Jazz Podcast on bassist Paul Chambers. And we are going to be spinning uh, some sides uh, with him as a leader in his own recording dates. We're going to be talking about a little bit about the history of Paul Chambers, and we are going to shed some light on some awesome, I mean, legendary recordings in jazz history that Paul Chambers was a part of. Whether you knew that or not, that doesn't matter. You know it now. So sit back, relax, and get ready to listen to some Paul Chambers. Now, I must say that I cannot take credit for this. You know, I always say we'd love to hear from our listeners for any ideas for some shows, and that's exactly what happened. One of our dedicated listeners says, Hey, you always talk about Mr. PC. Why not do a whole spotlight on Paul Chambers? I said, You know what? That's a fantastic idea. So, that's what we're doing, and hopefully everybody digs it. So, Again, thank you so much for listening. We would be nothing without you. We do appreciate it very, very greatly. Uh, Yeah. And if anybody else has a great idea like this, please email us. Let us know. So we'll give you those details throughout the podcast. So don't worry. But for now, let's get to some fantastic music on the spotlight on Paul Chambers, otherwise known as... Mr. P.C.
Legend, the saxophone colossus himself, talking about Sonny Rollins, and that was recorded May 24th, 1956. That was the title track, Tenor Madness, uh, featuring Billy Joe Jones on the drums, Red Garland on the piano, Sonny Rollins on the tenor saxophone, and of course, Mr. PC, our spotlighted artist, on the bass. Now, what's interesting is that this is the only recording of Sonny Rollins and John Coltrane together. They were um, very friendly uh, competitors, rivals, uh, as the top tenor saxophonist at the time in jazz. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they it, there was no doubt that it was John Coltrane and Sonny Rollins' world as far as jazz tenor goes at that time, which is saying a lot because there was a whole lot of great tenors um, in 1956. I mean, at that point in time, Lester Young was still alive, Coleman Hawkins was still alive, you still had Sonny Stitt, Ben Webster, I mean, tons of cats out there. Um, James Moody and um, Paul Quinchette, bunch of bunch of tenor players, but they were so friendly with each other, they used to call each other on the telephone and they just go, Hello? And then the other would just play a lick and then hang up. And then after a little while, after it kind of sunk into the brain, the other would respond back and maybe add a little something to it and expound upon it and call the other one back and be like, hello? <laughs> you know. And then they just do this uh, for hours on end when they were practicing. And that's how friendly they were. So... That that and on top of that, that's how cool they were uh, that they could do that. So there you go. I mean, I don't know. I I just I think that that would be awesome if you know Joe Lovano was just calling up Dave Liebman or you know <laughs> Chris Potter. Hey, <laughs> click, <laughs> and then they call each other back. Um, but it was a different time, and these guys are, are still tops as far as tenor sax goes in jazz so there you have it um before that we heard from another outstanding jazz superstar talking about the saxophonist and arranger oliver nelson from his landmark album on impulse records blues and the abstract truth from 1961 
Oh, we heard Stolen Moments, just a gorgeous, gorgeous piece. And, of course, it features Oliver Nelson on the alto and tenor saxophones. Um, Eric Dolphy. Yeah, Eric Dolphy on alto sax and flute. The great Freddie Hubbard on the trumpet. George Barrow on the berry sax. Bill Evans on the piano. Roy Haynes, Snap Crackle himself. Talking about living legends on the drums. And Mr. PC, Paul Chambers on the bass. Mm, great stuff. And in the middle of that set, from an August 1963 date for Blue Note, we heard Succotash. And that's a little bit less of a known tune, but man, it was with the jazz superstar. Talking about Chihuahua Martinez on the conga and the bongo, Willie Bobo on the drums and timbales, the one and only Herbie Hancock on piano, and Paul Chambers on the bass. It comes from an album called Inventions and Dimensions on Blue Note Records, and it's a gorgeous cover. It's one of those awesome covers, you know, and um, Reed Miles cover. And it, I don't know, it's just got a groove to it, you know. So, I mean, who didn't Paul Chambers play with, right? Exactly. So the second tune in that set was Bemsha Swing, right? Uh, recorded in 1956 for Riverside Records. Uh, talking about Max Roach on the drums. Of course, Mr. B.C. Paul Chambers on the bass. Sonny Rollins again on the tenor saxophone. Ernie Henry on the alto saxophone. And the one and only composer and pianist Thelonious Monk on piano and it comes from his album brilliant corners one of the landmark albums for felonious monk mm. and clark terry i'm sorry uh clark terry is also uh on trumpet so there you go it, it's just a killer album you can't go wrong with this album i mean if you need if, if, if you can only choose like five monk albums out of his entire discography this has got to be one of them so there you have it um, and of course we started off the set with the one and only Mr. PC that's the name of the song Mr. PC and it was written for Paul Chambers by the great John Coltrane how's that for bookending some Coltrane in that set huh John Coltrane of course on the tenor saxophone and oh my god everybody's on this album but I'm going to give you the exact statistics for this particular track so yeah Mr. PC um, has got of course John Coltrane on the tenor saxophone it's also got Paul Chambers on the bass uh, let's see here Wenton Kelly I believe no that's Naima my bad Yes. Okay. Tommy Flanagan on the piano. Art Taylor on the drums. John Coltrane on the tennis saxophone. Paul Chambers on the bass. There you go. But the reason I'm, I'm stumbling here is because there's so many great artists on this one album for Atlantic Records. Giant Steps. This is like one of the top John Coltrane albums. Tommy Flanagan, Cedar Walden, and Wynton Kelly are all on piano on this album. Jimmy Cobb, Lex Humphreys, and Art Taylor, one of my favorite drummers, Art Taylor, 
on the drums here, but there's only two constants. And this is why I say that he's important. John Coltrane is always the tenor saxophonist on this album because he's the leader, but the bass chair never changes. Now, he's got three pianists on this album. He's got three drummers on this album, but Coltrane trusted Paul Chambers enough that he said, oh no, you can do anything. So besides naming a song after him on this seminal album, Giant Steps, he's the only instrument that he did not call in alternates for. Because Coltrane believed in Paul Chambers that much. It's incredible. And he's incredible. So there you go. Now, to tell you a little bit about Paul Chambers, he was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where so many jazz legends were born. Uh, Pittsburgh, right? And uh, he was born on April 22nd, 1935, to Paul Lawrence Chambers and Margaret Echoes. That was his mother and father. His birth name was Paul Lawrence Dunbar Chambers, Jr. Quite a long name. Uh, even though he was brought up in Pit, even though he was born in Pittsburgh, he was brought up in Detroit. Uh, following the death of his mother, he began playing music uh, with several schoolmates in school, uh, starting on the baritone, and later took up the tuba. And he says, I got along pretty well, but it's quite a job to carry it around in those long braids, and I didn't like the instrument all that much. <laughs> so, but by 1949, he had actually uh, became a string bassist. And he started taking formal lessons and training in 1952. Now, his teacher on the bass was the bassist for the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. He did some classical playing himself um, and with a rehearsal group he called the Detroit String Band. Uh, he studied at Cass Technical High School uh, from 50, 1952 to 1955. And he played in uh, the Cass Technical High School Symphony and in various other groups. Uh, one of those groups, he actually played the Barry Sachs, believe it or not. So he wouldn't lug around the tuba, but the Barry Sachs he was cool with besides the upright bass. So, um, but he left for New York City. And he did so at the invitation of the tenor saxophonist Paul Quinchit, who is known as the Vice Prez. Of course, Lester Young is known as the Prez of the tenor saxophone, but Paul Quinchit was known as the Vice Prez. Um, jazz bass players were largely limited to timekeeping with the drums until the great Jimmy Blanton came around with Duke Ellington. And it changed the whole world of jazz bass. And that was at the late 30s. And, of course, Jimmy Blanton was part of the, the half the namesake of the infamous Duke Ellington Orchestra known as the Blanton Webster Band. Okay, has nothing to do with bourbon. It's not that Blanton. It's Jimmy Blanton, right? The very first JB. And... He revolutionized what the bass could do. And that kind of set the train tracks for a young Paul Chambers. So, 
Um, Chambers was about 15 years old when he started listening to Charlie Parker and Bud Powell and this new music called Bebop. And they were some of his first real jazz influences, like really, you know, hit him heavy. Oscar Pettiford and Ray Brown uh, were the very first bassist that he really, really admired. Uh, and then he got into Percy Heath, Milt Hinton, Wendell Marshall, Mingus, George Duvivier uh, for their technical abilities and um, for all the different sounds of the jazz bass. But out of all those cats, it was still Jimmy Blanton who was his all-time favorite. Now we'll tell you more about Paul Chambers on some more of these breaks. But for right now, I just want to let you know if you're trying to write down all this this stuff or, you know, you're trying to write down these titles or albums or whatever, we've already done all that for you. Just simply check out the website, Dr. Jazz Podcast, D-R-J-A-Z-Z Podcast dot WordPress dot com. And there you can also write to us if you've got any ideas or you just want to reach out and say, hey, you know, I dug this show. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Or if you say, hey, you know, I. It would be great if you did this. Always hip for suggestions, you know. And, um, yeah, and if you have time, please, you know, give us a, a, a star review on the Apple Podcast. Remember, you can find the Dr. Jazz pod- Podcast wherever you find your podcast. Uh, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, all those places like that. So we do appreciate any of the likes and good reviews, etc., uh, there's a few folks who have given bad reviews, and I don't know why. So if you want to give a bad review, please tell us what we could do to make the podcast more enjoyable for you, and we'll be glad to try to incorporate some of that. Okay. So all that being said, I'm going to stop talking, and I'm going to get to our next awesome set of music from Mr. PC. This one is going to kind of focus on some of the great trumpet players that Paul Chambers has played with. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Dr. Jazz Podcast. Thank you. 
yeah. Love that little trombone hold at the end. That's Stockholm Sweetening, written by the one and only Quincy Jones, Mr. Quantum himself. And that comes from Quincy's album, This Is How I Feel About Jazz. And um, Quincy, although I said that this whole set was about trumpet players, uh, Quincy was a trumpet player, even though he's just a conductor and arranger and composer on this session. But it's his big band. And this was recorded September 29th, 1956, with Art Farmer, Bernie Glow, Ernie Royal, Joe Wilder on the trumpets, Jimmy Cleveland, Irby Green, Frank Rehack on the trombone, the one and only Phil Woods on the alto sax, Jerome Richardson on flute and tenor sax, Lucky Thompson and Buddy Bardock on the tenor saxophone as well, Jack Nimitz on the berry sax, Hank Jones on the piano, Charlie Persip on the drums, and the one and only Mr. PC himself right there in the middle of that all-star band, Paul Chambers, who is our spotlight artist on this episode of the Dr. Jazz Podcast. Before that, we heard the burning trumpet of Lee Morgan. We heard the Dizzy Gillespie composition, A Night in Tunisia, and it comes from Lee Morgan's Blue Note album, The Cooker, which was recorded in 1957 for Blue Note Records. Uh, Pepper Adams, the great Pepper Adams on Barry Sachs, Bobby Timmons on piano, Billy Joe Jones on the drums, and our man Paul Chambers on the bass. Such a cool, like, halftime switch up there, you know what I mean? Between the melody and then the solo section and yeah, of course, if there's anybody who can pull off that bass line in, in the duality of that switch-up, it's going to be Paul Chambers, man. Totally killer. Totally. Oh, good, good stuff. I mean, I just love Lee Morgan to begin with, but man, that's one of my favorite Lee Morgan tracks right there. Okay, in the middle of the set, we heard It Never Entered My Mind. And that was from... The 1958, 1950, late 1958, early 1959 session by Chet Baker entitled Chet. And that was for Riverside Records. Now, here's another all-star cast. And notice that whether it's an all-star cast from Quincy Jones or whether it's an all-star cast from Oliver Nelson or what I'm about to tell you here with Chet Baker... Thanks to Oren Keep News, but still, out of all those who's who in star-studded albums, Paul Chambers is always there. That's how integral and important he is. Chet Baker on the trumpet. Again, Pepper Adams on the Barry Sax. Herbie Mann. The Herbie Mann on flute. The great Kenny Burrell, talk about living legends. Kenny Burrell on guitar. Bill Evans again on the piano. Connie Kay and Billy Joe Jones taking drum, swapping drum duties. And Paul Chambers, the only bassist on both sessions. And this is one of Chet Baker's finest albums for Riverside Records. It's just, oh, it's incredible. And, yeah, Paul Chambers, he just solid as a rock every time. All right, before Chet Baker, we heard a gorgeous, gorgeous version of Alone Together by the one and only Kenny Dorham. 
from uh, his Quiet Kenny album, recorded in 1959 as well. Of course, don't forget, Kenny Dorham is the same cat that played with Charlie Parker. He was also uh, one of the jazz messengers with Art Blakey from those uh, live sessions at the Cafe Bohemia with Hank Mobley and Horace Silver still in the band. Kenny Dorham. I mean, not to mention that was before he had his own, you know, Blue Note explosion with like Una Mas and stuff like that. You know, um, the Afro-Cuban album for Blue Note, right? So this is when he was still on um, the the prestige jazz label. And Kenny Dorham is on trumpet. Tommy Flanagan is on the piano. Art Taylor again, my man Art Taylor, on the drums. And Paul Chambers on the bass. By the way, if you if you notice that I keep saying like Art Taylor, Art Taylor, if you dig the drumming every time I say Art Taylor, go back through the archives of the Dr. Jazz Podcast because there is a spotlight on drummer Art Taylor, and it is definitely worth listening to because there is some killer, killer jazz in that episode. All right, and then we started off the set with one of my all-time, all-time favorite trumpet players, Mr. Clark Terry, CT himself. Uh, we heard Boardwalk, which has just got that 50s swag vibe to it. You know, like you're literally just walking on the boardwalk, having a cigar, dressed to the nine. You just look fly. You know you do. You know, it's that kind of groove to it, right? Recorded in April of 1957, we heard Clark Terry, of course, on the trumpet. Johnny Griffin, the little giant, on the tenor saxophone. Wynton Kelly on the piano. Philly Joe Jones again on the drums. And, of course, Paul Chambers on the bass. Mm, good, good stuff. This is a, this is, I'm just looking at these titles and I'm just like, oh, man. I, I, I'm just, I'm always wowed when I actually start, you know, looking at this. There's so many great songs on here. Donna Lee. Boardwalk, of course, that we heard. Boomerang, Digits, uh, Stardust, that old black magic. Tons of great songs. So, Clark Terry, Quintet. Good stuff. All right. So, this next set that we're going to be playing for you is actually a spotlight on the saxophone players that Paul Chambers played with. So, there's like many themes kind of inside of this spotlight episode on Paul Chambers. The first set was just jazz legends, and that's why we heard Coltrane and Thelonious Monk, Sonny Rollins, and stuff like that, right? So the last set was trumpet players, Chet Baker, Kenny Dorham, you get it. This set is more saxophone players, so you're welcome. There's some intentionality and some logic to it. There you go. <laughs> uh, we do hope you're enjoying this episode of the Dr. Jazz Podcast. Remember, um, we wouldn't be anything without you, so we do greatly, greatly appreciate you listening. So, enough from me. Let's get back to some groovy music. Here's some more Paul Chambers. <laughs> Thank you. 
Ten Ten Deo, another Dizzy, Dizzy Gillespie original composition. This time, played by the alto saxophone great Art Pepper. Such a great album. This is an album um, on the Contemporary Records label from January 1957, and it's called Art Pepper Meets the Rhythm Section. Now, what's the rhythm section? By the way, the is capitalized. That should tell you something right there. So, in the jazz world and early, I'm talking January 1957, who is the rhythm section? Philly Joe Jones on drums, Red Garland on the piano, and Paul Chambers on the bass. So, what makes them the rhythm section? Well, um... See, Paul Chambers was part of this little trumpet player's band. You may have heard of him. His name was Miles Davis. Um, <laughs> but uh, from his role in Miles Davis's band, Paul Chambers was the bassist in two major rhythm sections. The first rhythm section was with Red Garland on piano and Philly Joe Jones on the drums and came to be known as, quote, the rhythm section a name that featured on a celebrated album by you got it what we just heard art pepper in art pepper meets the rhythm section now paul chambers was the only constant when miles rotated and had a second great rhythm section including wenton kelly on the piano jimmy cobb on the drums but he kept paul chambers on the bass so Coltrane was just as smart as Miles when he was switching around different drummers and pianists, but he kept Paul Chambers. That's for damn sure. So there you go. What do you know? Um, but yeah, Tin Tin Deo, uh, one of the great nine tracks on this album. Uh, a lot of standards, a lot of cool stuff. You've got Burke's work, Star Eyes, Tin Tin Deo, but then you've also got some older tunes like the Jasmine Blues, um, 
the Waltz Me Blues, Straight Life, Imagination, uh, Red Pepper Blues, and You'd Be So Nice to Come Home To. So standards, oldies, and newer tunes for that time, you know. Uh, it's a great album. If you haven't heard Art Pepper Meets the Rhythm Section, do yourself a favor. Check it out ASAP. And if you want to purchase it or order it or go crate digging in your local record store, because by all means, please support local record stores if you have one. Otherwise, there will be none left in the future. Um, then you can find out all that information on our website. You can find out the, the what the album art looks like, who the main artist is, and what that favorite track of yours was. Um, and once again, I'm going to go ahead and plug our website. Dr. Jazz Podcast, D-R-J-A-Z-Z Podcast, no spaces, drjazzpodcast.wordpress.com. And there you can find out information on every track with the album artwork and each title of the songs that we play on each episode. So there you go. Uh, before Art Pepper, we heard the bebop standard Yardbird Suite, originally written by Charlie Parker. Uh, but this time, it was played by uh, tenor saxophonist Warren Marsh in 1958. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely crazy <laughs> group right here. Uh, of course, Warren Marsh is on the tenor saxophone. Ronnie Ball is on the piano. Philly Joe Jones and Paul Motion share some drum responsibilities and our man Paul Chambers on the bass and this comes from the Atlantic Jazz Records uh, album Warren Marsh <clears throat> it, it's just named after Warren Marsh it's a self-titled album but um, you may know the name Warren Marsh better uh, because he was associated with the Tristano school the Lenny Tristano uh, school which included Warren Marsh and Lenny Tristano and Lee Konitz, the great alto player. Um, and some of their duets are killer. Killer. Uh, but Warren was known for having a um, very cerebral approach to his improvisation as well as a very light and feathery tone that, by the way, on those Tristano recordings with Lee Konitz blends beautifully between a tenor and an alto. Um, it's It's crazy. Like the, the they just keep interweaving their lines and you can't tell who's who at certain points. So check that stuff out. Uh, in the middle of the set, <clears throat> we heard Smile by the great Dexter Gordon from his 1961 Blue Note album, Dexter Calling. We heard Philly Joe Jones again on the drums. Kenny Drew this time on the piano. Uh, Dexter Gordon, of course, on the tenor saxophone, and our man Paul Chambers, Mr. PC, on the bass. And, uh, yeah, Dexter Calling is a great album. Uh, in case you don't know, I uh, always like to, to give this tidbit whenever I play Smile. Smile is one of my favorite jazz standards. And it, it's a beautifully written song, but not a lot of people know. Sir, so, some, some do, but not a lot. Uh, that, that song... Smile was actually written by Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, the tramp. Charlie Chaplin, like, you know, the baggy pants, the uh, short little square mustache, the bowler derby hat, the, the cane, you know, the silent comedian, you know. Charlie Chaplin, yeah. Charlie Chaplin, besides being a uh, director 
a directorial and a comedic genius, uh, he wrote some great songs. And that was not a lot, but that was one of like the best ones right there. Smile. You know, Limelight was another good one, but Smile. And it's a gorgeous song. Uh, so, And it's even more gorgeous when it's in the hands of Paul Chambers and Dexter Gordon. So there you go. Um, yeah. All right. So before Dexter Gordon, we heard um, This I Dig of You by the one and only Hank Mobley from his Blue Note album from 19, February 7th, 1960. We heard Hank Mobley's Soul Station album. That's when this whole album was recorded. And you'd want to talk about a who's who, man. Art Blakey on the drums, Paul Chambers, our man on bass, Wenton Kelly on piano, and Hank Mobley on the tennis saxophone. This I dig of you. This is one of uh, the best Blue Note jazz standards that there is. And Hank actually wrote this one himself. So that's a killer, killer album. Not a bad tune on the whole album. There's only six tracks, but man, they are gold. You can take my word for that. Uh, yeah, and so to start off the set featuring uh, Paul Chambers playing with some great saxophone players, we started out with the one and only Julian Cannonball Adderley from the album Cannonball Takes Charge uh, on Capitol Records. We heard If This Isn't Love. <laughs> and, of course, it's Cannonball on the alto saxophone, Wenton Kelly on the piano Paul Chambers on the bass, Mr. PC, and the great Jimmy Cobb on drums. Now, you see right there, that's why I started off giving you that little tidbit about the two rhythm sections, right? So Cannonball is literally playing with the rhythm section 2.0, which was Wenton Kelly on the piano, Jimmy Cobb on the drums, and Mr. PC, Paul Chambers, on the bass. So you get to hear in that set alone both of the great rhythm section uh, members from the 1950s. The Rhythm Section 1.0 and The Rhythm Section 2.0. So, And we bookended it. So what do you think about that? So Cannonball, to start off that set, was playing with The Rhythm Section 2.0. And Art Pepper closed it out with the Rhythm Section 1.0. There you go. Remember, you can find the Dodge Jazz Podcast wherever you find your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Uh, we'd love for you to give us a great rating if you've been digging the show and digging the sounds. And uh, also, please share with your friends. You know, if there's some friends of yours that, uh, you know, are starting to get into jazz, they already love jazz, you know, um, say hey have you checked out the dr jazz podcast trust me you're going to want to hear this guy so you know we try to do all sorts of jazz so if this isn't necessarily your speed that's okay we got some episodes that are more contemporary we got some episodes that are more in traditional and classic jazz like lewis armstrong and duke ellington um we aim to please and try to cure whatever it is that's uh, stressing you out and hopefully we're making some of that stress melt away with some of these awesome sounds so hopefully you're digging it as much as we are uh, and we would love to hear you uh, from you if you'd like to write us an email uh, we always respond back and for all of those um, like the Des Moines drummer out there <laughs> and JW and uh, some of these great cats who's been emailing uh, we do appreciate it we hear you and you know um 
thank you so much for you know your support it does mean the world so all right getting back on to some tunes so this next set is going to feature paul chambers with different piano players so we've gotten jazz legends trumpet players sax players so now we're going to hear a little bit we're going to start closing in the microscope right we're going to hear paul chambers with rhythm sections specifically piano players right so hope you enjoy this here's mr pc with some pianists you're listening to the dr jazz podcast Thank you. 
somebody get a bucket because that man is on fire. Oh my God. So intense. Man, I love Phineas Newborn Jr. So that was Manteca by the great pianist Phineas Newborn Jr. from his 1961 album A World of Piano for the Contemporary Records label. Man, first of all, Dizzy Gillespie's Manteca is one of the greatest songs Dizzy wrote, in my opinion. But to actually pull off a big band chart with a piano trio, that takes some balls. And he actually did it. And well, God bless. That is just an, some incredible plan. Um, and you're going to be shocked because besides Phineas, the other two characters, the drummer and the bassist, are. Vi- well, you, I mean, it's a dead giveaway who the bassist is, right? It's Mr. PC, Paul Chambers, but it's Philly Joe Jones again on the drums. I mean, that's like the dynamic duo right there. Philly Joe and Paul Chambers, man. And. And sadly, Downbeat only gave it four and a half stars instead of full five. I don't get it. I don't get it. That was just on fire to me. Hmm. Great stuff. Uh, okay, so before that inferno, we heard You and the Night and the Music by the one and only Bill Evans Trio. Bill Evans on piano. Guess what? Dynamic duo. Billy Joe Jones on drums and Paul Chambers on the bass. Back-to-back tracks. What do you think of that? From January 1959. Comes off of the album On Green Dolphin Street by Bill Evans. Incredible. Um, And then we got to hear the beautiful, beautiful ballad artistry of the Red Garland Trio with I Know Why and So Do You. Art Taylor, my man Art Taylor on drums, Mr. PC on the bass, <clears throat> and the great Red Garland on piano. And, you know, here's the thing. This is why I chose that track, I Know Why and So Do You. This is a very, very obscure ballad. Um, this song came about from one of those big band movies that were made in Hollywood, starring out of all groups. Are you ready for this? The Glenn Miller Orchestra. That's right. It was um, from the, uh, what is it, Orchestra Wives, I believe. Or was it, no. It might, it, i take that back. It might have been the other Glenn Miller movie, Sun Valley Serenade, with Sonia Henney. He only made two, so it's got to be one of the two. But uh, I believe, now that I'm thinking about it, I believe it was Sun Valley Serenade. But... Still, it's even as far as Glenn Miller's songs go, it's a very obscure ballad, uh, even for the big band era. And in Red Garland's hands, it is so beautiful. It is done so tastefully, so well. And Paul Chambers delivers the perfect backdrop with those just pools of bass notes. It's just, it feels like you're just quietly just being submerged with each chord when Paul Chambers is part of it. And of course, the brushwork of Art Taylor. I mean, Art Taylor's so tasteful on the drums. You can't go wrong with Art Taylor. Um, But yeah, man, I mean, that's just Red Garland. It's just incredible. And um, it comes from his 1956, 1957 
album, um, Red Garland's Piano. Yeah, on Prestige. It's just killer. Man, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, and then another piano player, since we're kind of focusing on that this set, uh, before that, the track before that uh, was the title track of this album. It's Cool Struttin' by the great pianist and composer Sonny Clark. And Sonny Clark wrote that song, and it is um, from the 1958 album of the same name, Cool Struttin' on Blue Note Records. Um, it's got the lady with the, the skirt, and her it's like a black skirt, and her high heels. Uh, and she's just, you just see a picture of, like, from the knee down, believe it or not. And it, it looks very 50s. And you talk about a who's who on this album as well. Now, we've talked about this a couple of times, right? Here's one more exception, uh, or one more instance to that rule. Philly Joe Jones on drums, Paul Chambers on the bass, the dynamic duo again. But with Art Farmer on the trumpet, Jackie McLean on the alto saxophone, and Sonny Clark, leader and piano player. Mm. The whole album's great, by the way. It is one of the quintessential Blue Note albums. And then we started off the set with Four on Six, which is a tune written by guitarist Wes Montgomery, who is featured. And you're like, but wait a minute, Dr. Jazz. You said this is this whole set was going to feature piano players, and then I heard a guitar. You're right, you did. But it was the Wynton Kelly Trio featuring Wes Montgomery from the Sublime album Smoking at the Half Note on Verve Records. Recorded in June and September of 1965. We heard Four on Six featuring Jimmy Cobb on the drums, Wenton Kelly on the piano, and Paul Chambers on the bass. Remember, that is the rhythm section 2.0. But it's the rhythm section featuring Wes Montgomery on the guitar. Yeah! Some great stuff right there, huh? Absolutely. Alright, so... To tell you a little bit more about Paul Chambers, um, from, well, during the course of his lifetime, unfortunately, Mr. PC uh, had developed some very unsavory addictions. And, um, and I say that in plural, not singular. So, not only did he develop an addiction to alcohol... But he also, unfortunately, developed, like so many other jazz musicians, uh, an addiction to heroin. And he was hospitalized at the end of 1968 uh, with what he thought was maybe just a really bad flu. Uh, but they ran some tests on him and they uh, revealed to him that he actually had tuberculosis, TB. Uh, he was in a coma for 18 days um, and through the tuberculosis and the coma his organ functions deteriorated they say that his health problems were a result of his addiction to alcohol and heroin and very sadly at the on January 4th 1969 
he died of tuberculosis at the age of 33. So all of this I'm playing you. He did in a very short 33 trips around the sun. Now, let's put that a little bit in context. That's seven years shy of John Coltrane. That's seven years less than John Lennon. That's even one year less than the great Charlie Parker, who passed away at 34. So, yeah, let's put some perspective on that. To be such a giant in the jazz bass arena and to have influenced so many, many bassists in just 33 years. It's not like he played for 33 years. He died at 33. So that says something right there. I mean, even the great Charlie Hayden, who is a superb of all superb bassists, uh, said that Paul Chambers was one of his favorite players. And he said, quote, the first guy who was really distinctive to me when, when Charlie Hayden was like 19 years old or so, he said was Paul Chambers, who he heard on those Prestige and Riverside records, some of the same songs that I'm spinning for you right now. He said, now Paul Chambers, that, there's an underrated player. He had a way of playing these chromatic notes in his bass lines that was just unreal. He'd go up in the high register and then he'd skip down and he would tie it all together. He had this great sound and he had great time. So, he influenced even the great, greatest bass players like Charlie Hayden. And he was such a force in the jazz field that so many of these superstars wrote songs for him. Of course, we already heard Mr. PC, right? Uh, but... Max Roach, even in 1977, dedicated a piece to Paul Chambers called Five for Paul. The great Sonny Rollins wrote a tune called Paul's Pal for Paul Chambers. And Tommy Flanagan wrote the tune Big Paul, which was performed on the album with Kenny Burrell and John Coltrane together. So we've taken you down many different um, avenues and looked at many different angles of appreciation for Mr. PC, Paul Chambers. We've, lo we've heard him play with some of the legend, legendary uh, giants in, in jazz music. We've heard him play with some specific trumpet players, some specific saxophone players, some pianists. Um, but this next set is going to feature four of his tracks from albums in which he was the leader of the session. But first, we are going to listen to the bass line that influenced hundreds of people. And was part of the greatest selling jazz album of all time and one of the most noteworthy songs in that entire album was the very first track and it's spotlighted 
Paul Chambers because it was up to him and him alone to play this little sketch of a figure that Miles Davis wrote. Here's So What.
Let's take it in the order in which it happened. So we started off that set with the monumental, gargantuan, seismic jazz classic, and none of those words are hyperbole, believe me, you. So What by Miles Davis. It's from the album Kind of Blue. We've talked about all star casts, you know, star-studded albums, right? But when you have Miles Davis, John Coltrane, Cannonball Adderley, Bill Evans... Wynton Kelly's even on a track, for God's sakes, right? You got Jimmy Cobb on drums and Mr. PC on the bass. Man, you can't go wrong with that. And everybody knows it who hears it, too. That's why if they got one jazz album in their collection, you bet your ass it's Miles Davis' Kind of Blue. Quintessential album from top to bottom. So after Kind of Blue, we heard four tracks from albums with Paul Chambers as the leader. We started off with... Paul Chambers playing Dear Old Stockholm from his album Bass on Top, which was recorded in July of 1957 on Blue Note Records, featuring Hank Jones on the piano, Kenny Burrell on the guitar, doing a very classy job with a melody to Dear Old Stockholm, my man Art Taylor on the, ba- on the drums, and Mr. PC as the leader and bassist, Paul Chambers. After that, we heard a track called Eastbound, and that comes from Paul Chambers' album Chambers Music. The cool thing about that is Paul Chambers, of course, is on the bass. Philly Joe Jones is on the drums. Kenny Drew is on piano at this point, and that tenor saxophone you heard, that was John Coltrane. Some of you who might not be a novice to jazz has probably heard the Blue Note album, Blue Train. It's one of Coltrane's biggest albums, right? Well, that rhythm section to Blue Train happens to be Kenny Drew on piano, Philly Joe Jones on drums, Paul Chambers on bass, alongside John Coltrane. Now, he also had Lee Morgan on trumpet and Curtis Fuller on, on the trombone. But if you take out the trumpet and trombone and you just have tenor sax with rhythm section... That's what you got for this track here for Eastbound. After that, we heard Softly as in a Morning Sunrise, which is beautifully recorded, and it's incredible, from the May 19, 1957 recording for Blue Note Records, Quintet by the Paul Chambers Quintet, and it features Elvin Jones on drums, Tommy Flanagan on piano, of course, Paul Chambers on the bass, Clifford Jordan on the tenor sax, and Donald Byrd on the trumpet. Incredible. And then I wanted to end with Tale of the Fingers by Paul Chambers in a trio setting in which you actually got to hear him arco. But this one is a a tune that he wrote himself called Tale of the Fingers based on the chord changes to strike up the band. And it features our man Philly Joe Jones on the drums, Paul Chambers on the bass. There's that dynamic duo. But this time, Horace Silver is on the piano. And it comes from a September 21st, 1956 Blue Note album, Whims of Chambers. And I'm going to read you word for word what they say here about that. Tale of the Fingers is our favorite track, if we may be personal. 
Based on Strike Up the Band chord sequence, it opens with four choruses of bowed bass, and never before have there been 128 measures even remotely like this. Horus is in there wailing too, and later Philly Joe trades some force with the bow before Paul takes over the solo for the finale. But frankly, it is difficult to recall anything that happens after those first choruses, because anything that followed them would necessarily have been anticlimactic. I would call Chambers a gas, except that is depressing to think about gas chambers. So perhaps a bolder word may be permitted. Chambers, as his fellow musicians have been saying ever since they heard his very first solo, is a bitch. I kid you not, that's in the liner notes. So on that note, thank you for listening. Hope you dug it. Mr. PC, Paul Chambers, we do love you madly. And until next time, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Y'all be good now, because in jazz, we trust.